This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to Total Saints Podcast, episode 89. There had to be a flipping nine in there, didn't there? Anyway, this is the podcast where, come win, lose or draw, you can always rely on a committed team giving 100%. So in true non-quitting manner, we'll be discussing the fallout from Saints' disastrous, even by their standards, 9-0, yes, 9-0 loss at home to Leicester City. Although I have to be honest, if you want to expect a blow-by-blow count of the 90 minutes, then just like Friday night, you'll be in for disappointment. We couldn't possibly put you through that, plus if we did, the pod would last for hours, possibly days. Instead, myself, Adam, Steve and Glenn will chat about the collective thoughts alongside all of yours on what the heck is going on at St Mary's currently, and more importantly, how we get ourselves out of this mess. We'll also be doing our Premier League Man City away predictions, which should be fun, but no in-depth preview because, let's be honest, what's the point? In the middle of all of that, to at least try and bring a bit of sunshine and fun to the podcast this week, I've been saving up some 2019-20 TSP outtakes for a rainy day, and it seems pretty rainy this week. Before that starts, a big thank you to both Aaron Collum and Hayden Sharples who've become TSP patrons via patreon.com slash totalsaintspod this week. If there is one thing we can at least rely on, which isn't saints, it's you amazing listeners out there. You keep us going. So thanks very much to Aaron and thanks also to Hayden and welcome aboard. Right, let's go for it. Strap yourselves in. In partnership with Saints World and Saints Archive and sponsored by Happy Hot Tubs who always deliver happiness to their supporters as well. This is TSP 89. Me? I could never own a hot tub. Stop it. That's the kind of negative thinking that's preventing you from sitting in a hot tub right now. Talk to Happy Hot Tubs today, where owning a hot tub is as easy as one, two, three. One, choose your hot tub. Two, choose your accessories. And three, choose the way you pay with 0% finance available on selected models. I could own a hot tub. That's the spirit. You deserve happy with Happy Hot Tubs. HappyHotTubs.co.uk 
Friday the 25th of October, Southampton nil, Leicester 9. Before we get going, in case you're wondering, no, it's not Leicester's biggest ever league win. That was 10-0 in 1928 against Portsmouth. Remember, however tough things may feel, there's always someone out there who's worse off, guys. Adam, I have no questions. I'm not doing a blow-by-blow. So before Steve and Glenn give their views and thoughts, the floor is all yours. Friday night. Oh man, man! Oh man! Oh man! <laughs> well, let me what, just. What time did you get out of there, by the way? <laughs> very, very late. Actually, very late. Let me just start by saying that normally. What a great intro that was. I did. Well, it was a great intro, Thanks. but when I do the, uh, when I like the report, I write, especially when we're on a tight deadline, uh, which we are on Friday nights. I, I do, um, kind of. I'm doing it as I go along, so I'm writing it, and then I go back and just sort of finesse it a bit and then I put a top on it and an end on it etc when the game is just about to finish when I write a a goal normally that's two or three paragraphs per goal into the word count by the end of Friday night I was pretty much just going five or six words he kicked the ball to him he kicked in the net and it it was like it's almost pointless to describe who cares now who cares how it happened who cares who scored it I mean to be honest with you I was so um, totally like shot away by the whole thing. Um, I couldn't. I I didn't sleep on Friday night. I was like I was totally just awake all night, just thinking did did that actually happen? Did I really see that? I think there was and, a few of us like that, Adam. Um, and Saturday the same. I was just like totally shell shocked, and I was texting uh, other people who were there and other people I know, friends who work at the club and things. Just like collectively, like. Did, did that really happen, or is this some weird dream? I mean, to lose 9-0 at home, 9-0, I know, I know. oh, it's unbelievable. And if Lister hadn't cruised for 15 or 20 minutes in the middle of the second half, I mean, it could, it's unbelievable to say it could have been even worse, which is, like, how, how could it be worse than losing 9-0? But, I mean, I kind of have been trying to be, like, deliberately um, a bit lighthearted about that, I suppose, to try and... I think we've uh, got to, come on, the let's, shot. let's just be but, lighthearted. I mean, if we if we want to take a, a moment of just a brief moment of seriousness in terms of the actual game, but I know later on we'll talk about the sort of ins and outs of mm-hmm. the club, etc. But um, I think I wrote in in my my verdict piece really that that absolutely the minimum you expect um, when you go to watch football is to see uh, two teams are the players of which are trying their hardest. Yep. Um, and you accept that some players are better than others, and so therefore that's why some teams are winning the league and some teams don't win the league. You also accept that people are human and they make errors and they make mistakes, and that's how lots of goals come about for for all teams from the top to the bottom. Um, and you accept that as well. And you also accept if you're a, if you're a fan of a, a club lower down the pecking order in the Premier League, like Saints are, that your players aren't as good as the players at Man City or Liverpool, etc. So they make more mistakes. And you can just about live with all of that. What you can't live with is if you feel that your players are not putting in the requisite effort, if they're not mentally and physically up for the challenge. Because that is... When that happens is when you and then you have a disparity in quality is when you lose and you lose heavily and and it doesn't get any more heavily really in the Premier League than losing nine nil. I mean it is an absolute total complete embarrassment. It is a shame on Southampton Football Club to lose a game a league game nine nil at home. 
I mean, it is is absolutely humiliating. And I think that the one thing that I would say is that um, that no matter what any of those players or Ralph Harsenhut will go on to do in their career, they will always be known as the people who lost nine nil mm. at home. And and that I mean, for that they should you know collectively hang their heads because it is absolutely pathetic, uh, truly pathetic. And I'm. I'm somebody who I think is quite reason most of the time. And I normally always, and we've discussed it on this podcast, absolutely bat away suggestions normally that players haven't put in the requisite effort and things like that. Because I always think it's such a lazy, easy, cheap shot to go, oh, he's just not trying. He's like, well, maybe he's just not very good or maybe his efforts are just misdirected. But I came away and I thought, well... To be honest with you, I couldn't say that this time because it really felt as if collectively that they weren't trying and you couldn't even really single out any individuals. It was it was such a collective malaise. Um, just and uh, just, I think, uh, probably up there with with the lowest nights in 133 years of Southampton Football Club. I think you've uh, said it very well. Steve, um, I've got the beeper at the ready, but if you can try and limit the uh, swearing, it will save me a lot of uh, effort in the editing, but go for it. I, I know you were there for some of the games, Steve. Well, most of it. Um, I mean, a fair amount of it was spent down in the concourse drinking, because, <laughs> well, what better, what better place to, uh, to do it when it's absolutely hammering it down with rain as well? Um, I mean, it was just a disgusting night in so many ways, wasn't it? Mm. Um, I mean, it's weird, slightly odd that sort of 10 years ago, um, we had a game against Leicester that was delayed for, for an hour because of the weather. We've had home games and away games against Leicester that have been played in um, basically swimming pools. Mm. Um, it's strange how these conditions seem to go hand in hand with, with, us, with us playing them. But, I mean, where, do you, where can you start? It's just, I mean... Did anybody put a tackle in that first half? Well, that's something I had on my notes that's come to you later. We, I think we only made three fouls in the whole evening. Um, and yeah. if, if Bert, you think, Bertrand put one in. Well, I was going to say, if Bertrand's a red card, the free, kick, mean, for the free kick for their eighth goal, the penalty ninth goal. So that basically means we ran around and didn't put one foul or tackle in. So we basically just gave up, as Adam said. But what, um, I mean, the, it was interesting with the Bertrand foul because not a single um, Leicester player appealed for anything. The referee didn't play any sort of advantage. He just didn't give a decision. Hmm. Um, so, I mean, what is he, what, what is kind of, what is he seeing there? I mean, obviously we've, we've obviously seen the, seen the video back and it's like, well, okay, that's, it's not, it's not a completely unreasonable decision. Um, it did remind me of the, uh, Tillman's one on, uh, was it, uh, Callum Wilson earlier in the season yeah, that no, nothing happened, pretty, but, but, you know, much, I mean, pretty it's much identical. We didn't even get booked for that. Did no, we? no, exactly. But let's be honest. I mean, you know, nine nil, we can't just blame it on a red card. It was no, no, of course shocking. not. But yeah. I think losing, given that our defense has been crap at the best of times for, well, I mean, some, some time now, it's not just this season, but it's mm. got worse. Um, just the complete lack of organization, the, f- the fact that nobody seemed to think, okay, we're now a man down. How do we re- how do we reshape the system so that we're kind of covered in in sort of most areas? Yep. And there was nothing happened there until we were till we were three nil down. Basically, we just carried on playing with the same the same system, but with a hole at left back. Um, and kind of everyone then sort of shifted over a little bit, and then that left Valerie completely exposed. 
he then sw- has to then switch over to the left-hand side when we do have a bit of a reshuffle. Um, decides he's just going to wave one past him as Perez comes in, ghosts in at the back post um, for 4-0. And, it, and you just think, what are we doing? Mm. How 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 is there such a complete mental block on nine outfield players there? Um, and, I mean, Gunn didn't exactly cover himself in glory on, on some of the goals either. And it's just like, I mean, how do you recover from that? Mm. Psychologically, it's it's just destruction, isn't it? Rock bottom, and, it's rock bottom yeah, isn't it? Yep. I mean, without swapping out all 11 players, which I mean, we now don't have the squad to do, um, because, I mean, obviously we, we were kind of reasonably satisfied that we managed to... Um, eventually farm off all the unwanted players um during the during the summer window mm. but the problem with that is that there's now basically zero competition for places mm. regardless of whether any of us think that Wesley Hoop's any good or not which he isn't as we know but at least someone would be in position to at least make some sort of even an, even a nominal challenge for a position but now they're all they're all set there's there's a first probably a first 12 or 13 if we assume Buffal and Gineppo are, are kind of um, maybes depending on who we're playing. And other than that, everyone has got um, everyone has kind of got carte blanche to to do as they please. And, and you come up against a team that's highly motivated and let's face it, Leicester are a good side. Mm. Um, and you you come up against those conditions and we've just the bed basically <laughs> one swear uh, word well done Steve yeah, that's yeah, good that's a good effort on your part but, yeah but it's I mean there's there's there are very few other sort of descriptions that you can come up with for mm. for that sort of collapse yeah I mean to be I mean 3-0 3-0 and a man down inside 18 minutes five at half time I mean how how many obviously we had one against Villa didn't we a few years back we were 5-1 at half time yeah I mean, there can't can't have been that many other games. I mean, even that, even when United obviously got the nine nil against Ipswich, I think that was only only three at half time. And I think when we then. won eight nil, it was three nil at half time. Yes, wasn't it? it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. um, and we, well, we could have been three nil down in that game. That was mm. that was a weird one. But yeah, I mean, it's like, well, I mean, where do you go? I mean, other than to Manchester, obviously, for another for another humping. Glenn, ditto on your views. Ditto on the swearing. Go for it. <laughs> Yeah, it's quite it's quite amusing that uh, you know I'm known for my colourful language and I get invited on a um, a family friendly rated podcast when we've just lost nine nil. I'm not sure we'll be getting these comments put on a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like the biggest challenge that I've ever faced in my life. Well, I mean, the the, the day was dreadful for me from the start because we parked in Wolston, walked across the Itchen Bridge, and literally me, my dad, and my son were going across the Itchen Bridge like a rugby front row. All, all linked arms to stop ourselves getting blown over. It was ridiculous. <laughs> we were we were soaked when we got to the game. Um, forget the red card. We would have got even if we'd kept eleven players on the pitch. Mm. We would have got beaten five or six at least. Mm. Um, I thought the, the first ten minutes before the first goal, I was watching it thinking we haven't put a single pass forward to anybody. We've just lost the ball every time we've had it. Leicester are all over us, and it was just a matter of time before they scored. First goal went in, least surprising thing ever. And then the red card happened, and I just you could just see it coming. Mm. Um, the the shambles for me was, as Steve's alluded to, on the in the immediate aftermath of the goal. I mean, to my mind, if you if you if you're down to ten men, you're one 0 down already. 
you go solid, you go four four one, and you just try and get to half time and stay in the game as long as you can. And I think I think he kind of sh- tried to put Ward Prowse at left back, um, and it was just it was just a joke, you know. Two five minutes later, we're three 0 down, and the game's completely gone. Mm. Another re- another reshuffle um, shamble. So I really don't know what what where Ralph's head was at when we went down to when we went down to 10 men. Um, but we would have got smashed anyway. Um, there, there, there's no doubt about that. Um, I, I also think it's it's a number of years sort of like coming, a number of years of decline coming home to roost in one yeah. game. Yeah. Um, you, you look around the pitch and as, as Adam said, players giving up. Mm. Um, I'm looking at some of the players that we've paid relatively big money for. I mean, Vestergaard, Jesus Christ. I mean, he just he just stands there, doesn't he? He's like, um, what's that plant on Guardians of the Galaxy? Groot. <laughs> sort of six, six, six for eight plant. I have no it's idea what you're t- talking about, but I'm sure it's No, uh, yeah, people will understand that one. <laughs> but, I mean, he, he just stands there. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't. He's not aggressive. He doesn't tackle. You've got people, War Prowse has been garbage all season. Mm-hmm. Gun. Terrible again, um, you know, goals coming through him. Yoshida is supposed to be the defensive organiser. And as someone said, where was the organisation? No one knew what on earth they were doing. Mm. Jan, Jan Valerie is shot to bits. I'll give him a bit of latitude because he's a youngster and it's, yep. it's easy for a youngster to come into a settled team and, you know, slot in to replace a player and know how you're supposed to be playing. But I'm sure Cedric get... will be rushing back after that, Glenn, won't he? Oh, he'll, he'll fill his, uh, I think he'll be filling his calf again this week. Yeah, I was, um, <laughs> I, was th- I was thinking about the players on the bench. You know, I bet, I bet they were thinking, please, God, don't send me on. You know, yeah, when and, Stuart Armstrong got sent for with like oh, about, beautiful. was it 10 or 15 minutes left? He must have, <laughs> in that rain, he must have been thinking... Really? It took him really? five minutes to get back to the dugout. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I hereby announce my retirement from, from yeah, football. And, yeah. and the half-times the half half substitutions, I mean, you know, we're five nil down and, and our idea of shoring things up is bringing on Jack Stevens for know, Christ's sake. Um, and Danzo, who he clearly doesn't rate at all. So he, mm. he brings him on as well. And for, for 10 minutes after half time, when Leicester kind of thought about going through the motions for a bit, we were actually relatively solid. And then whatever goal it was, the sixth one went in and it was time to give up again. Um, and the, the last, I was, I was finding it funny by that point. Mm. It was, um, but the weirdest one I thought was Madison's free kick. You know, free kicks from right on the edge of the box are actually quite difficult to score. But it, it was like our wall was about 15 yards back and they were all stood on, they were all on their knees because <laughs> you just knew he was going to score. Yeah. But, um, you know, so gun lined up the wall, stood behind it. They, he flipped it over the wall. It wasn't even in the corner. You know, it, it's just, just rubbish. Um, I just, I just couldn't get over it. But I mean, I, I sit in the family stand and I was looking around at, at people from about six nil. I was looking around at people and there was, you know, it's a cliche, kids crying. Kids, kids, kids wanting to go home. You know, so that was a like three-nil. Talk, talking to their dad and you know trying. To, people who sit in front of me who never leave before the end. On about sixty minutes, the guy, the, the guy got up and he sort of looked at me and said, "There's only so much I can take." And he and he he went. So people who I've never seen leaving early, yeah, just just got up and went. Um, I wanted to miss the traffic, so I stayed to the end. 
um, so, yeah. so you know I was there in 95 minutes uh, uh, but um, yeah. commendable yeah, yeah there's, but, a, there's a great oh, photo um, there's a great photo I've seen it around Twitter a few times of uh, a steward removing I think it's a Man City fan from uh, the stands at a ground or something like that And it, but of course people always use it for scene, games like this and it basically says you know horrible scenes at Southampton as stewards make the fans stay and watch the game that type thing so yeah, yeah. I think the fans come out of it quite well because yeah. I mean there's, there's been a bit of a there's been a bit of a thing on social media about trying to get more vocal support in the ground and try and get more sections singing um why we have to lose nine nil for this to be the case mm. i don't know but the 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 atmosphere and i know a lot of it was sort of gallows humor and stuff but um which is always to be encouraged when things are dreadful but you know i, I was i was impressed with the people who sort of like made a bit of noise in in that game and mm. uh, yeah hopefully uh, that's that's the one positive from the game <laughs> i think but as as Adam said, losing you know losing nine nil is just it's just garbage. You can't lose nine nil without players giving up, mm, and mm. and that's what happened. And there's just there's there's just so many of them, and the, the, there's plenty of them that I would be quite happy if I never saw in a Saints shirt. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with you on that. And uh, I don't know if there is a total Sunderland podcast, but I'd uh, now know how they felt a couple of years ago, certainly. But uh, look, I mean, just to have my two pence worth as well, I made some notes here. I mentioned about the fouls. I mean, I think that was the thing. I mean, I switched off at, at 3-0, so I have to be honest, I didn't watch the last hour. But uh, obviously I had the... Uh, Unfortunately, the Twitter alerts coming through, which reminded me what was going on. But yeah, I mean, just even getting amongst them, giving them a bit, bit of a kick was, uh, you know, certainly you would have hoped the Saints might have done that. But I mean, I, I just, you know, wrote down here, utterly shambolic, gutless, disgraceful. They let the club down. They've obviously let the city down because it was uh, globally uh, being broadcast. Um, as you said, Glenn, I mean, I wrote here, credit to every single fan who stayed until the end. Um, and I think for me, you know, in 35 years of following Saints, when it comes to sort of on-pitch feelings, I don't think I ever felt lower. And as you said, Adam, trying to get to sleep on uh, Friday night was just impossible possible because I think both times that we got relegated I think we'd probably all prepared ourselves for that over the course of the sort of preceding four to six weeks whereas this was just a, a bolt out of the blue but I mean even when the teams came out ads um, you know obviously I messaged you just just saying we look so dull on paper and you look at their team I mean I think it was clear Brendan Rodgers could smell blood from the outset really but um, for me I find few words even I mean we're recording this two days later trying to find any words to really describe it so um, yeah just um, pretty depressing uh, all round, I think. But unless anyone has anything else they want to add about the game, I'll pause briefly. Yeah, I'd just like I'd just like to say one more thing. I, <laughs> yeah, I, made, a, I made a I made a point about you know I stayed to ninety five minutes. I'm not saying I'm some sort of big hero, but I have absolutely no problem with people going home at half time. Mm. When you when you watch absolute crap like that, and you know it's you you might have a long distance to travel, or you might think I'm going to have a better time having a beer. Yeah, I, I have I have no issue. It's, it's the people that leave, you know, when it, when the game's one-one with five minutes to go, they're the ones I have a problem with. Yeah. But if you if you want to make some sort of statement and get out of the ground at half time, you know, I think it's good, and I think all the gallows humour is mm. actually good as well because it, it shows the players mm. that we're not we're not just angry with you. We're now taking the piss out of you mm. because you are that bad. That is all you deserve. Yeah. You you don't deserve our support. You deserve to be looking at an empty ground. You deserve to have people chanting Manchester City, we're coming for you, and all this sort of stuff. You, de- you know, you deserve that because you were garbage, and you know you don't deserve any better. No, spot on. All right. Well, let, let's move on because uh, I think that's probably enough of uh, trying to sort of uh, get through the game. But uh, 
what we basically uh, are going to do is have a, a chat about how the club, short, medium and long term, can get out of this hole they're in. Um, on our social media sites over the weekend, we posted the following question to generate some intelligent and passionate discussion this end. Um, the question was, if you were the owner of Saints, short, medium, long term, how would you get the club out of this on and off field mess? So we had a lot of thoughts and comments through from you all, so thanks very much for sending them in. Um, I've spent uh, most of today, Sunday, trying to sort of group them into themes so that we can discuss uh, through them. So um, I've got Gow and the ownership, I've got the general sort of club plan strategy model um, obviously we're going to chat about the manager on the pitch and then some general thoughts and views so what we'll do is um, I'm going to try and read through as many of them as I can because obviously you've uh, taken the time to send them in so um, in terms of Mr Gowan ownership and then Steve there's going to be a question for you at the end of this bit um, Chris Ellis on Facebook said for me the owner needs to communicate with the fans we have had one communication from Mr Gow since taking over and that was a newspaper article he needs to lay out a strategy for the club and his leadership team intentions a lot of people are jumping ship so it would be good to hear what's happening and the structure that will be put in place David Knowles also on Facebook said I think Chris makes a good point just what is Mr Gow's intention is it to build a side that in sporting terms can properly compete as best to the rest in the longer run or is it to just try and hang on in the Premier League every year and pocket the cash not that he'd admit the latter I guess living within our means seems to be the way forward Leicester are similar size to us but seem miles away in ambition and cohesion the ambition and the hope of the Coman days suddenly seems a long long time ago Greg Small on Twitter said, Owner-wise, I'd look seriously at recruitment, hire the best people who will actually care about the club. Brad on Twitter said, We've had Poole, Pellegrino, Hughes and now Hasenhutl, the last of which is the best of them all. Our on-field performances have not dramatically improved over that period. Really, the issue is off-field. I'm not confident anything will change with this board, so what can we do? Simon Thorpe on Twitter said, The problem you have is an owner who doesn't care about the club one jot. Without heart or passion, is there even a starting point? It will only improve with an owner who believes like the fans. Kevy G on Twitter said, If I was the owner, I'd sell it. Mr. Gow doesn't have a Scooby. Mark Atkins, the Gals have to put their hands in their pockets this January. All well and good being self-sustainable, but without the Premier League money coming in, their investment is screwed. We cannot stand still whilst others stream past us. couple more. Lee Atkins from Twitter said, Easy, I'd put my hand in my pocket and invest in the playing squad. Leicester are an example of what could have been done. They have the same stadium. The difference is that they have and had an ownership that invests. And Joe on Twitter said, It's hard to know what to do. How much do Gow and Cat care about the Saints? Can their perspective change? Can they learn? Will they pay and let others lead? Will they sell? Will they get into debt? Will they grant control to experts? If these aren't known, then what should happen in the short, medium, long term are just guesses. But generally, medium term, get a talent evaluator in. A long term, £100 million plus needs invested in the team. So Steve, the question from me to you, if you're Mr Gow at the moment, based on the comments above and your own views, Steve, what are you doing to get us out of this mess? Um, well, I mean, hiring the right people in key back office roles, I think is, has got to be the first, uh, first step because I mean, realistically, I mean, we can't sign anybody for what, two months. Um, so there's not going to be any personnel changes on the field, um, barring Ralph deciding, right, all of you played on Friday night, you're sitting it out for the next month. Yeah. Um, so I don't I don't see anything happening on the field per se, um, sort of immediately anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, getting getting a director of football in. Um, um, I mean, as as we discussed um, uh, recently, I mean, maybe finding some sort of some sort of tie in with with an agent or someone who's got who's got a, a sort of a way in to yep. get better players than than we are currently able to attract. 
Um, it may well be that we need to look at, um, I mean, this this idea that we're only ever going to be signing young players who have got resale value. Um, I mean, maybe that needs needs revision because surely we need some. You need some experience in there hmm. um, with with quality as well. I mean, there's no good having having someone who's got experience who's rubbish because their only experience will be of being rubbish. And that's, and well, we've already got enough of that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, you're going to, it's going to be an off, it's going to be off field stuff. That's, that's going to be the driver of this, I think. Um, does he need to get closer to the city? I mean, he's, he obviously doesn't come over here much. I'm not saying that he needs to be over here all week, every week, but surely being in the club, understand what's going on, looking at Simmons in the face, looking at other people in the face and actually talking to them rather than through Skype and being on the other side of the world. I mean, for me, that's you need to be in the thick of your business if you really are passionate about it going forward. And if he's not here, then that kind of tells me that story as well. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, the Lee Bears didn't spend every waking minute at the club either. So, But they were at most games, to be fair to them. Yeah, um, but then it's a lot easier to fly in from um, from Switzerland than it is from China. True. Yep. Um, I mean that's a that's a two hour two hour journey as opposed to a fifteen hour journey. Um, so yeah, I mean I, I don't think Gal's presence in the director's box is the difference between us winning and losing. Let, let's put it that way. Um, I think, however they are communicating and driving whatever direction it is that that they want for the club. Um, if if they've basically briefed um, Simmons on how they want it to run, let him get on with it. Mm. Um, doesn't as I say, it doesn't it doesn't need Gal being um, being at the place distracting because him being around because he's not around him actually turning up um, on a more regular basis would actually probably be more distracting. It'd be like oh something must be happening when it doesn't necessarily need to be that way. Um, if he's got um, if Simmons has got kind of carte blanche to run the club um, in the way, I mean, within reason, in the way that he sees fit, then yeah, let him get on with it, and we'll see we'll see how those how those results um, pan out. But I mean, certainly there's I mean, obviously that that report that that went to the uh, went to the Telegraph um, on Saturday. Mm. Obviously, Telegraph's always been our uh, preferred leak. Yeah. Um, uh, choice. So, I mean, is I mean everything that was in that was in that article. It's a case of well, okay, if there if there's been a gen a genuine plan with with this sort of thing that they were reporting, um, and that's been the case for a while, and it's just so happened that they've sent it to the Telegraph for publication the day after we've we've been dicked nine nil at home, <laughs> then all well and good, then fine, absolutely no problem. If they are putting that story out to the telegraph as a direct result of us losing 9-0 thinking oh crap we've got we've got to make it look like we're doing something mm. and that there is a, there is some sort of idea of what we're doing then that indicates a, a, a more significant problem it it suggests that they're not actually looking at dealing with the problem there it's pr management as opposed to actual actively looking to improve things well it reminds me of the um when we sold van dyke the day after um i forget whether it was wallace or um wilson but one of them had a story about us being interested in elfie morrison ryan setting on etc etc well so, yeah. morrison morrison apparently was a was a genuine goer um because I, I actually spoke to him at because he was he obviously went to end up going to fulham um and he was 
I, I managed to snag a freebie uh, corporate at Fulham away last season, and he came he came in to do a um, to do a presentation um, to some fan or other. I, I can't even remember if he played in the game. I think he might have been out injured. Um, but um, the guy I was with, another Saints fan, he basically asked him. Um, obviously said, identified that we were Saints fans and, and asked him if if the links to us like, the previous year had been true. He said, yeah, yeah, they were. Um, uh, it was just they, they couldn't um, they couldn't agree terms. Swan, Swansea at the time wanted too much money. Mm. Um, and basically Swansea wanted more money than um, than Fulham ended up paying the following summer. Yeah. Um, so that was why that didn't go through. They want they wanted absolutely silly money for him. Fair enough. So if you're Gail, then you're basically going to get your head of recruitment sorted and uh, work with that person to, to try and come up with a plan that will work going forward. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see that. I mean, the whole in um, just um, uh, like one of those quotes was I would stick my money in my pocket and, and put and spend 100 million pounds. I mean, mm. that's that's all well and good, but you don't have 100 million pounds in your pocket. Mm. It's 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 very easy. I mean, as we found out with um, with Mr. Cortese, it's very easy to spend somebody else's money yep. um, without any consequence. Um, whereas, I mean, I think it's absolutely right that the club should be running self-sustained sustainably. The problem is that when we have been spending money um, in the last few years, we've largely spent it on a load of crap. Yeah. Um, basically, we've just got to be better at spending the spending the money we have. Whether that means we buy fewer players but at higher for higher fees maybe um because i mean this this idea of buying buying players at sort of 10 to in the 10 to 15 million pound bracket with the idea of then selling them on for 25 to 30 i mean that's i mean we could see before our very eyes that's not working at the moment yeah um i mean we we may have we may have lucked out with with a couple of them i think redmond's redmond's value has in, increased i would say um, and Gineppo, I, I would say, will will almost certainly return um, return a profit. Other than that, I mean, it's pretty slim pickings, isn't it? It is, right. That leads us nicely into the club plan, strategy and model then. So, Adam, there'll be a question coming for you at the end of this, so prepare yourself. Um, so in terms of the club plan, strategy and model going forward then, Andy Pate on Twitter said, we need to stop believing the hype. Buying young and cheap is a gamble that's now costing the club. Lambert, Pella and Fonta were leaders but potential profit seems more desirable than current benefits. Louise Burke also on Twitter said, we are gambling on bringing young players through and making a profit from them. It doesn't work on its own. We need to invest in proven players. No point in paying 15 million here and there. Better to spend 30 million on quality. James Kaler on Twitter said, it's about firefighting now. If the owners want to keep the premiership profit, they have to invest in our defence properly in January to keep us up. We need a back four that doesn't leak goals. All about survival now. The next summer we need a big overhaul where they can have to accept some losses and cancel some contracts, buy some experience. I love Ralph's youth policy, but what we have at the club isn't good enough or they would be playing regularly. Five-year goal needs to be to get eighth position again. Steve on Twitter said, we need to drop this ridiculous must-be-a-young-player mantra in the market, which is kind of what our Steve was saying a minute ago. Go and get a couple of old heads to lead the team and get the youngsters in around them. That doesn't go against the big idea now, but will help to avoid catastrophe like Friday. 
couple more. Dave Robinson on Twitter. The solution has to be to strip the squad of all the deadwood accumulated over the years and start again. It isn't the managers we've had. It would almost be worth taking the massive financial hit and releasing players from contracts and starting afresh. John Tilbury said, I agree with Dave. We are stuck in a quagmire. Doubt it will happen in January if we stay up or go down next summer. We invest in future by cutting adrift a dozen players and bringing in best available, younger, fresher. It will cost a lot. Give the manager some new tools to work with. And finally, Trevor Boswell. Short is get Ralph some help. Medium, spend in January to try and buy our way out of trouble. And the long is recognise this league needs top players and it's expecting too much of the academy to produce the answers. So stop buying 15 to £20 million players. Those days are long gone. Adam, my question to you, based on what you said previously on the pod, uh, I know you'll have a view on this, so how easy is investing the sort of money that some of the people, rightly or wrongly, are talking about above for an overhaul going to be or not be for Saints? Well, at the moment, it's going to be very, very difficult. Um, and the reason that it's going to be very difficult is because um, of the reasons we've talked about a lot in the past, the fact that they've got... Um, they they bought pretty appallingly in the last few years, so they uh, that is, and as I've said many times, that doesn't just hurt you for the short term; that hurts you for the medium and the long term. And I, you know, I've said that several times, and and I think the people, are, you know, the proof of the pudding is kind of is in what we're seeing at the moment, really, um, and the fact they are so hamstrung. So then you say, well, if you can't do that, the other self-sustaining the other obvious way to do it is if you are going to get some um outside investment to to help you along the way um you know sort of conjured up via the the loopholes of financial fair play and that effectively falls to the owner and i think the bigger picture in all of this is um again without wishing to sound like a broken record because i've been banging on about this for a long time but what on earth does Mr. Gow want with the club? Why did he buy the club? What is the general direction? Why does he own it? What, yep. you know, what is his hopes and ambitions for it? Just some understanding really of what's going on. Um, even if he's not going to invest and, and, you know, we hope he is what happened to the money that he was going to invest in the city that was promised. You know, we were told when he first came in that, that there was going to be a big, economic boost for the whole city that he was going to buy this area or that area and you know things were going to happen um we we haven't seen a single penny invested beyond the purchase of the football club and that might be because he's never going to invest it might be because he hasn't got the money to invest it might be that he just doesn't want to mm. uh well you know it's, it's his business he owns it it's it's well the most of it so it's his prerogative but it would be nice to know and nice to understand um and as long as it's and i made this point to somebody at saints very 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 high up recently when um when i was talking to them um off the record and said it you know for for all the good or bad things that that happen at saints that is the elephant in the room and i said to them that as long as this continues then every time uh, you get a couple of bad results or things are going badly it is going to be brought up and thrown back in your face time and time and time again and the anger and the resentment that people feel about it is only going to grow the longer it goes on and my sense if i'm totally honest about this is that there is a sense within the football club that nobody knows what mr gow wants nobody Mm. And, and you know, in a way, you say, again, why should they? It's his business. If he doesn't want to tell them, then fine. But these are the people that are running the football club. 
And I don't think they feel that they've got a sense of direction from Gal um, or understand why he's bought it or what he wants from it or what he plans to do. And I think that this is a very significant issue. And if I'm honest, I tend to think that I completely agree. Getting the right people in the back room is is important. Changing the transfer policy and all of those things can and will, I'm sure, have a positive impact. But I think the longer term issue is going to remain as long as you've got Mr. Gal there and the current sort of impasse of not knowing what the heck is going on continues. And I, I don't I don't see it improving, really. And, um, you know, to come back to the point of, of what do you do? In terms of you know the investing in in players, well, it all everything comes back to that issue really. I think the whole thing comes back to that issue. And when we look out on the pitch now, it's like I've said before, you've got you know go go figure the same players that haven't been able to perform for the last two or three years still can't perform now. Wow, I mean shock horror. Yeah. I, I mean it's come on, this is not rocket science we're dealing with here. They've they've you know you look at how Leicester have spent some of the Maguire money. You look at how Saints spend the Van Dyke money and that's where it's gone wrong in terms of that, that short term on the pitch because we're relying on the same players again. And like I've said all along, I don't care who you put in charge. I don't care how good you think Carson Hull is. He's always going to be limited um, by, the, by the players. And I think that ultimately the club... I mean, I, I've been talking about this, as, as anybody on the pod will know, for a long time. But I, I just think that now kind of the 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 scale of the defeat and the and the depression around saints because the expected upturn under harson hasn't arrived i think now a lot of people are beginning to ask the same questions and are beginning to think in the same way and and the truth is i get a lot of people say to me oh come on you know get do some real journalism. Find out what's going on. I said, well, if the person, people who run the club don't know, mm. how how the heck are any of the rest of us going to find out? What what do you want us to do? Just turn up on his doorstep with a gun and you know demand that he answers us? I mean, the thing is, he doesn't have to. But these problems are not going to go away as long as this continues. Perfect. All right. Well, let's have a chat about the uh, manager who I. Uh Felt looked pretty down and uh, almost broken on Friday night. Um, Adam, I'm going to come to you briefly for a question, then Glenn, I'm going to get your view on this. Um, so in terms of the manager then, Niall Minogue on Facebook said, all I can see is people leaving, people who are in positions where they are exposed to the true state of our football club. I feel sorry for Ralph, and I think we see strange decisions because he can see the true worth of the squad. Ralph has got to build a ship with a Fisher-Price toolkit. The only positive I can pluck from this is that we can't get any worse. He needs a number two to help him through this. He needs support. He needs our backing, and as fans, we have to trust him to try and get over this abyss. Bruce Borthwick on Twitter said, I don't think sacking the manager is the answer. We have to stop the merry-go-round of manager exits we've had. SFC Bose said, appoint an assistant for Ralph. He looks lost on the touchline. Great example was the Bournemouth game, Howe and Tyndall talking to each other the whole of the game, Ralph just standing up and sitting down when each goal went in, I'd bring in Adkins for the role, he's available. Caroline Emerson said, agrees, Ralph needs an assistant coach urgently, players who are regularly playing poorly need to be benched to give the rest of the squad a chance to prove themselves, the owner and the board need to rethink their spending policy, which obviously we've discussed. Hursty boy, short term, get every player possible back to the club, get some experience to help Ralph the next three months, then decide if he is your man. We have 20 points by Christmas, borrow some money to invest in January and support him, if not 20 points, sack Ralph, no investment and get a proven championship manager. Jelly Burr said, keep Ralph, the common factor in our poor displays for years is the players. 
why change the manager again get some help for him and bring on the kids and S Morgs on Twitter said all season Ralph has looked dejected doesn't appear to have the same drive and enthusiasm as last year why can it all be roll Klopp lost his assistant and the team got better is it the lack of investment knows his players can't do what he wants etc etc I honestly think he'll walk soon and he also added just Adam at the bottom Adam must know how Raul was regarded by the players and whether his loss was as big as many are alleging so before I get Glenn's view on the manager situation as a whole Adam I know you probably won't want to publicly state officially what you may have heard off or online but in terms of general sort of rumours that many of us have heard around the club about Danny Raul and the influence of his exit how much of a part do you think that's played? I think it has played a part definitely um I don't think it's the only thing in this but I think it is a part I I know from from my conversations how highly he was thought of and and how good his coaching was or how good the players viewed it viewed it as um and so therefore to lose him is a blow um I, I think it has been a blow uh how big a blow I is is you know hard to say in terms of like the wider picture of of Ralph and the manager, I mean, I think my view is that right now I, I agree. Stick with the manager because w- what are we going to do? What what is the point of continually changing managers? I mean, we've been here before. I feel like this is we've had this conversation about five times on the yeah. podcast in the last two years. But you know, continually changing the managers is really not proving to be the uh, the thing that that galvanises the football club and revives the football club, is it? I mean, it's. It's just not going to do the job. So why go through the expense and the upheaval of getting rid of another manager right now at this stage of the season? I just don't I don't see it. I agree that I feel a little bit like Ralph and we discussed it a few weeks ago, but kind of needs to bring that intensity back because I I do feel that it's not the same. It doesn't feel the same to me as when he first arrived. Um, But uh you know you've got to you've got to give him space to to try and do it he's working in very difficult circumstances i i think he's also was a, like a slight victim of his own success to to the extent that he did so well on coming in in that short period that expectations blew really out of proportion for for what was likely to be achievable with the group of players that he's got um, even if, you know, I think most of us probably thought they'd be, a, you know, wouldn't be in quite such dire straits as it feels like they kind of are heading into at the moment. Um, but I don't honestly see. Uh, I, I, I mean, I, what I would say about Ralph is I don't see the point in changing manager, but I think he's still got to prove himself. And this mm-hmm. is what I've been saying for for some time is that uh, is that he hasn't proven himself at Saints yet. He has not. And there are people who have been talking about him after he's been manager for like 12 or 13 games as if this is this guy's proven and he's going to be absolutely amazing. He's still got to prove himself. This is his first full season in charge now. So he's had the summer and this is his first full season. So we've got for me, the jury's still out on Ralph and it has been for some time because he hasn't had that length of spell yet that you can really assess how good or not he is. And so. I think that that's still in the melting pot for me. I, I, you know, I think you stick with him because you have to give him the chance. But I, I still don't know how good or not he, he is. I can't draw that conclusion yet. I don't think. And I think some people have jumped to that conclusion a long time ago, and now are jumping to the opposite conclusion. You know, sort of another ten games later, which is, you know, I think just just far too soon. 
Glenn, it feels like ages since we've spoken, so apologies, but uh, in terms Hello. of... <laughs> he's been off and had his tea and everything. Um, look, just um, in terms of the manager then, would you stick with Ralph at the moment, yes or no? And there was quite a few comments there about getting a proper assistant in alongside him, so what's your view on that as well? Um, I would definitely stick with him. Um, you know, this is a guy that at the end of the day managed in Germany, which is a decent league, and he took Leipzig to second place. That's a higher level than Southampton Football Club are ever going to get to. You know, we're never going to be a Champions League club. Um, he has proven in the past that he is at a higher level than we are. We did very well to get him. Um, and to be honest, I don't think we deserve him. Uh, he's, I think he's proven he's a decent manager um, without proving he's a world beater. Um, and we wouldn't get anyone better. I always, I always felt like with Hughes and Pellegrino in particular, there was, you know, we, we couldn't, couldn't have failed to get someone better. Mm. I would have, you know, it meant even, I mean, I thought Hughes was an upgrade on Pellegrino. Um, and, uh, you know, and Ralph is, is obviously, is obviously better than that again. Who would we get um, if, if he went? He has undoubtedly made some very strange decisions this season. Um, but I'm not remotely surprised given the absolute shambles that he has to work with well, as a squad. And also that kind of dovetails into the assistant coach because, I mean, there's no one there to really... I mean, you've got Davis and Dave Watson, people like that, just sort of staring back at him with iPads. Yeah. It's, it's not really much inspiration, is it? Interesting you mentioned them too because um, I picked up on the, the guy on Twitter who said about Howe and Tyndall at Bournemouth because whenever you see Bournemouth on the telly, you always see the two of them sort of like chatting and sort of you assume bouncing ideas off each other. Why hasn't he appointed or why hasn't he promoted, if you like, one of Watson, Davis or Fleming to be his kind of assistant on the touchline? Um, I would suspect the answer is he doesn't rate them enough because, mm. you know, those guys are part of the furniture. They've been there, well, you know, been there for quite a, quite a long time. Um, you know, they're both goalkeepers. Maybe that's coincidence. Maybe... He just doesn't rate them. What you know, I, I would have thought you you would have promoted the best person in into that role, and they, they haven't done it. Um, I don't know what Danny Roll did or didn't do, to be honest. So I'd, I'd be guessing. Just speculation, but, yeah. Yeah, it does sound like it's it's a fairly significant loss. Mm. Um, and it is surprising to me they haven't appointed anyone else. No, but I mean it's easy when results are going poorly. You're going to say that sort of thing. Oh, he's left, yeah. and she's you know she's left, and those sort of things. If you're winning every game and you're fourth in the league or something, no one's going to blink an eye at him. Going, are they? Do you remember when it was all Eric Black's fault? Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's probably, we're still blaming him, aren't we? I think so. Uh, there we go. I think, but I think, uh, yeah. I think going back going back to Ralph, he he seems to be a very meticulous coach. The the players seem to be well prepared. You know, they they should be. He, he sounds like he's got great attention to detail. But the bottom line is, it doesn't matter how well prepared you are, how fit you are, how tactically aware you are, or how tactically prepared you are. Mm. Once you cross the white line, um, I'm I'm sitting here tapping my chest. You know, it's about what's yep. inside. Yeah. If you if you haven't got the heart and guts to to run for ninety minutes and put the effort in, it wouldn't matter if. Pep Guardiola's your manager or Klopp was your manager. Mm. Um, what those guys would do, they have the resources to bomb out players like that and they get in another one. Yep. You know, we don't really have that from the point where we are at the moment, having wasted all this money over the last three or four years. So mm. I, I don't see as we have a choice but to back him. Yep. But if we if we do get the double humping that we're expecting <laughs> in the next in the next week or so, but. And then we've got some games that we 
you know, in theory, should be getting points out of. If if we go on a four or five game losing streak mm. from here on, there's there's no way. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he walked. Mm. You know, seriously, he seems like the sort of guy who seems quite sort of honourable. And I don't think he'd hang around just for a payment and wait to get sacked. Mm. Um, I think if if he thought he was totally on losing thing here and there was no way given the tools that we've given him that he can improve this team or improve his reputation because at the end of the day he joined because he wanted to manage you know he wanted to prove himself in the Premier League and move off and manage you know one of the bigger clubs and that's fine if he does well for us he he does well for for himself Mm. but if he doesn't feel that he's got the tools to be able to have any chance of being able to do that I, I wouldn't be surprised if he if he went and then in my opinion, we, we really would be up the creek without a paddle. Indeed. All right. Um, so we've got two two to keep, um, Ralph and Steve. Are you three or are you two one? I'd yeah, I'd keep him. Um, I mean, again, the same kind of the same arguments really. Because well, are we going to find any better? Mm. Probably not. Um, I mean, another argument against binning binning him is the amount it would cost. I mean, mm. from what I gather, he's on an absolutely extraordinary wage. Um, by our standards so you're looking at I mean to get rid of him and potentially any any other number of the coaching staff you're probably looking at a a fee that's going to cost I mean that's basically one half well one of our sort of target price players yeah um and given that we need more players to replace the ones that we've the ones that we've got and aren't good enough then I don't think we can possibly make that call um I mean, as Adam rightly says, I think he, um, Ralph still has to prove himself. And I don't think that he will, um, I don't think that he will want to walk away from a situation. I mean, even though, I mean, he's not, he's not to blame. He's not the single point of failure in this, um, in this setup at the moment. But he will not want to walk away as part of, um, what has been unfolding the last the last few days? Mm. Um, so I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't see him walking away. I don't see him being sacked either. Um, so therefore, it's kind of okay. We regroup, um, but his his man management skills, which by the by the sound of it, seem to be kind of slightly more prominent than his um, than his tactical ones. Um, those are going, those are going to come to the fore over the next few weeks. Um, I mean, obviously City away twice this week. I mean, having, having just come off of the back of what happened Friday night, I mean, you could not wish for two worse games, really, <laughs> yeah, could you? Yeah. I mean, you just I need mean, to get them out of the way, really, don't you? Yeah. I mean, get out of the way without a repeat is basically the, the aim, uh, for the next, uh, for the next week, I guess. And then you're, then you're looking at Everton at home next week as the, um, uh, as the as the sort of recharge game, I guess. Yeah. So anything less than nine nils are positive, right? So good. All right. Um. Yeah. I mean, I think for me as as well. Obviously, um, stick with Ralph. I I think I agree with what the guys have said. For me, is who would we get that we would deem a better option? And you know, if we end up going for a big Sam type, which I don't think Saints would, but then it's just a a total omission of failure. And uh, you know, for that reason, I I think absolutely has to stay. But I think it goes back to what everyone knows that listens to the pod and what Adam said as well. I think my view is, you know, why should these underperforming and undercommitted players keep getting managers sacked that's the issue for me is you know clearly we need to get rid of uh, the majority of the players so Ralph absolutely stays and I, I know um, I think it was SFC Bowles suggested about Adkins and um, you know I'm sure they'll be better and, and more qualified professional um, 
top-level assistants out there. But, do you know, I'd, if I was in charge of Saints, I'd pick up the phone to Nigel Atkins tomorrow. Why not? What have you got to lose? You know, he loves Saints. He's, he's loved at Saints. He's available. He's got passion. He, he's got belief. He's got determination. He's got experience in bundles. And I think he'd help drive the players. I think he'd help drive the coaching staff and Ralph and things like that. I think he'd bring some energy to the training ground, to the, the changing rooms, to the touchline, and act as that interface that we've spoken about between the likes of Davis and uh, Dave Watson and that sort of thing. So I'm sure it won't happen, but I don't disagree that I think Ralph needs uh, an assistant and you know why not go for someone like Nigel Atkins but uh, let's see what happens on that one so conscious of time we're going to rattle on to the uh, penultimate section which is on the pitch so this is basically everyone's comments with uh, what they're seeing on the pitch and uh, Glenn we're going to get your views on this at the end of this one Um, so Joe P said on uh, Twitter I think all of our problems stem from the back well we had Toby and Virgil etc the rest of the team had a platform to build from without fear would be the same now if we had solid centre-backs the club must invest big in two world-class centre-backs ASAP to allow Musa, Reds and Danny to flourish Jamie Pragnall said, one, try and keep 11 players on the pitch. Two, stop showing great goals in training on social media. We don't score them in games. Three, go back to basics. If you don't lose a goal, you don't lose a game. Four, stop paying the opposition too much respect and letting them play. Chris O'Donnell said, we have not had a decent defence since we lost VVD. We have not had a decent attack since we let Palon Lambert go. And we have not had a decent midfield since Wanyama and Morgan left. In fact, we have not had a team since Coman left and not had a decent ownership since Marcus. Luke Morris on Twitter said, I was thinking about this a lot last night and I've come to the conclusion that the current squad simply isn't capable of playing the way that Ralph wants to play. So in the short term, he needs to change the style to something a bit simpler to keep us in the league. SFC Kieran said, one, drop our entire defence for the next five games, including Gunn and Ward-Prowse. Give players who want to prove themselves 90 minutes against City in both fixtures. Sal, whoever doesn't regain their place in the starting eleven by the time January comes around. And finally, Neil Langridge said, short term, it's all about character we can't see those players who stop running so they're dropped even for kids mental resilience and solidarity e.g. McCarthy for gun it's all about stopping the rot and drawing the line battle for anything and get the fans back believing so Glenn you're the manager over the next couple of games let's forget the cup game against Man City and I think we can probably draw a line through the away game against Man City so from Everton onwards sort of through until Christmas what are you doing in the Premier League to uh, get Saints back and on the uh, the road to the points I was um, I was frantically taking notes from what people were were saying on Twitter there, but I, one one that leapt out at me was um, the guy said about simplifying things. Yeah, so he um, said I, um, was thinking yeah. about this a lot last night. I've come to the conclusion that the current squad simply isn't capable of playing the way that Ralph wants to play. In the short term, he needs to change the style to keep things a bit simpler. That was Luke Morris. Yeah, I mean, I think mate, you know, Ralph does this thing where he he says, you know, we need to be able to play three or four formations and switch during a game and stuff like that. I would. I would settle for playing one formation well mm-hmm. rather than playing four in shambolic manner, which is what we seem to do at the moment. Um, so maybe just trying to, you know, I mean, it's going back to basics, isn't it? it? It's, you know, it's not just, it's not quite, let's just go four four two and smash it up in the air. But I think we do need to settle on one way of playing um, that suits these players as, as best he can. I mean, there's some obvious things that, that I would do. I mean, I've been beating a drum for McCarthy for a long time. Um, Me too. Yeah, you know, I think that's that's time now. The only two central defenders who, in my mind, haven't proved that they are dreadful is Bednarek and Danzo. That's about the only combination that hasn't been tried. Um, whether it would be any good, I doubt it. <laughs> I, mean, I think I saw that Bednarek has made the most errors leading to goals in the Premier League this season. But I actually yeah, don't mind him. But yeah, I, I mean, maybe. he is young. But yeah, yeah. He, regardless of the bad stuff, they all do bad stuff. 
Bednarek seems to do more good <laughs> stuff than yeah. Than, oh no, it's, it's it's slim pickings, isn't it? Basically, you could pick any of them. Um, I didn't really have a problem with this at the start of the season, but having seen it develop, the, the midfield three we picked Romeo, Hoiberg, and Ward Prowse. Firstly, every game, they're they're so one paced and similar. Mm-hmm. Um, none of them get forward and offer anything to the attack. Ward Prowse has been dreadful this season, so. I, I think it's uh, even though I think Stuart Armstrong is probably quite average. It's time to give him a game mm. and at least get some sort of threat to you know join in from midfield. He can't offer less, basically, um, and we know he can take free kicks and dead balls as well. So why not give Stuart Armstrong a go? Um, hopefully, Gineppo's must be nearing fitness by now. Um, so I'd, I'd like to see Buffal give him more game time for the yeah. simple reason that. If nothing else, he actually gets people excited. Mm. You know, he actually adds something. So I'd like to see him play. Um, Callum Slattery, I'd like to see come into contention as well because he he seems to have a bit about him, just a, a little bit of swagger. He, he reminds me a little bit of Jack Grealish whenever I've seen him play. Yeah. Um, you know, it's nothing to do with silly haircuts, but he, he he does seem to have that that confidence about him. Um, I'm sure it would all get kicked out of him within 30 seconds of, of making the first team, but mm. he uh, he can't, you know, he, he, it's just that thing, we're at rock bottom. Yep. We can't make things worse. I don't believe in repeating the same mistakes and giving the same players who have proven rubbish, you know, limitless chances. So I would certainly mix it up a bit, but the, there isn't, in all truth, a lot you can do. Mm. With the squad we've got, I mean, you, we've got the uh, the big striker from the under 23s, Dan and Lundalu, who looks great playing for the under 23s. Whether he can play in a, you know, whether he can be effective in the in the Premier League is 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 a is a massive ask. But you know, why not give him a go? I'd rather give him a go than give Shane Long a go. Mm. Mm. Um, you know what? So let's you know in the in the short term, let's use this cup game. Give Jake Vokins a go in the cup game and see if he is any good, yep. you know, see, see if, cause otherwise, you know, we've only got one left back in the squad, Bertrand, I assume is going to be out for three games. Um, so mm-hmm. we give Vokins a game, see if he's good enough. And if he's not, then obviously we're going to be playing Danzo probably at left back again or, or some other player out of position. So a long answer to a short question, but basically go back to basics, only play two out of Romeo, Hoiberg and Ward-Prowse. And just try and, you know, pick the same team. Mm. Try and pick the same team and try and let the players develop some sort of partnerships, some, you know, partnerships together and actually, you know, get some cohesion in the team. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's something we spoke about the other week is that Bertrand at the moment is the only left footer in the uh, sort of senior squad. So you lose him, you lose, I mean, literally no one else has a left foot unless you bring someone like Vokins in. But I, I made some notes against this one as well, Glenn. I, I tend to agree with what you said is keep the tactics simple, play players in the correct position and swap out those that are underperforming. I think also the other thing that I, I'm really keen to see, and Adam will uh, confirm this, that as soon as the team came out on Friday night, I messaged him saying how dull it looks on paper. I mean, basically, for me, you've got to get some more attacking 
Kim Flair in there. So as you said, Glenn, Buffel, Gineppo, Armstrong, Adams, etc. Get them in the team somehow. Obviously, they can't all play, but alongside Redmond and Ings, you know, that Leicester lineup was basically nine defensive players and an underperforming Nathan Redmond and no service for Ings. It was just dull on paper. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. in terms of the keeper, absolutely, I'd change the keeper at the moment. I mean, it's probably been on the cards for a couple of weeks, although it does seem a bit unfair to Alex McCarthy to go, right, you're in the team, you play Man City away twice. So, uh, you know, that's not going to do him a lot of good either, but at least it'll keep him busy. Well, but, I, think McCar- uh, I think McCarthy would have played Tuesday anyway. I, I agree, yeah. I yes, agree. he would so, have. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, but uh, cool. All right. Well, just finally then, there were some uh, general thoughts as well. So these uh, I couldn't really categorise, but just to make sure that everyone's had a voice. Um, John Q on Twitter said, the short is get a top assistant coach, defensive coach with Premier League experience, make Ralph and the players have a day off or two. The workaholism culture is counterproductive and dispiriting. The medium is to see if we can stay up and the long is to sell someone who might care about the club. VAR on Twitter said, get a director of football in, get a number two in who will advise and challenge Ralph and invest in an attacking midfielder and a Pella-like striker. Dan on Twitter said, seriously hard to fix. I guess starting with getting fans on side, reduced ticket prices, partial refund of season tickets and refund Leicester game tickets. I like that, Dan. I don't think it'll happen. Um, lock reduction in uh, for next year's season ticket prices. I can't imagine they have missed this, but a sports psychologist to sort out players' mentality. Midterm, can we get Danny Roll back? If not, Ralph clearly needs someone else around with that sort of skill set. Maybe Steve's recent suggestion of the Wolves method, which I know you mentioned earlier, Steve, of getting in tight with an agent and getting some talent that way may help offload some crap too longer term no idea are there any innovative director of footballs out there who the club can engage can we find the next black box method now everyone is kind of doing that and players fees are horrific Right, this is quite a long one, but I'll, um, just before I come to you, Adam, I want to read this one out. So this uh, I thought was really good from FPL Saints. Long term is change the squad investment plans. On one hand, this does mean more investment to secure a higher calibre of player, but the other is the player profile. We need desperately need a leader, and uh, I think we have now slowly gone downhill since allowing our previous leader, Fonte, to walk out the door. So for this, I would be looking for an older or more experienced head to play at centre-back. Secondly, we need stronger and more athletic players. We are noticeably a physically weak team, and this causes problems in matches like yesterday I'll be looking for a strong box to box midfielder. Medium term, review the structure of the coaching and first team staff what are we doing in the week clearly isn't working and the preparation for games is poor I sit fairly close to the dugout and it's clear Ralph lacks support, he walks around the technical area moaning about certain things but the coaching staff all just stare directly ahead and don't offer any input. The warm ups often seem a bit lackluster and they have a good energy when Roll led them, we really need Ralph to choose a new assistant and go and get him in terms of short term, find a preferred way of playing formation and be consistent with it. There has been too much chopping and changing and you can't develop partnerships and understanding like that. My preference is 5-3-2 as let's face it, we need the extra body at the back and I think Redmond is better when he has more of a free role in a front two. If Ralph prefers 4-2-2-2 or similar, that's fine, but play the players that formation needs. Don't stick players like JWP out on the right, which isn't his game. Just finally then, Adam... Will messaged me earlier and he said, look, you think about a few years ago, we were beating Sunderland 8-0, we were in the Europa League, now we've come sort of almost full circle and uh, we're now losing 9-0 at home to teams like Leicester. Um, is the only way up, do you think? Things can only get better? No, they could get worse. No, I'm sorry to end on a <laughs> on a negative note. Um, they, they could get better, but they could get worse. Ultimately, when you're a club that is battling relegation year in and year out, which is you know, two years of now just avoiding the drop and uh, all right, early days, but currently in the bottom three and now with a very messy goal difference um, and, and beginning to feel like this might be a third successive season of, of battling relegation. 
the majority of clubs who find themselves down there year after year get relegated in the end. So this could get worse um, unless things change. Um, a lot of the things that need to change are things that it's frustrating in a way because they are things that we've been talking about for a very long time and, and we've known what the problems are. And a lot of them, as we've discussed in great depth on the, on the podcast tonight, are not easy fixes because some of them are almost beyond the remit of of kind of the people who are employed at the football club as well or the abilities of some of the people who are employed at the football club so uh no i don't think so but i think that the good thing is that i just feel like the in a way if there's one positive to come from losing nine nil at home and this is stretching the margins to find a positive now but it is that it just feels like it might be bringing all of this to a head and all of those things that we've talked about uh, and it's kind of been easier just to brush them under the carpet now i think that there is beginning to become a louder clamor from from the sort of the a wider group of people that that some of these things they need answers and they need sorting out because i think that people can see that this could get worse and this could end in relegation and if it's not this year then if you don't change things then what they'll be down there again next year and exactly the same thing eventually you'll go so it, it could get worse but also this could be the catalyst for things getting much better because this could be we could have reached the low point in this cycle now and, and maybe then you do go up but things have to change for that to happen because otherwise it'll only be ever paper papering over cracks a bit like when Ralph came in at the end of last year and kept them up, brilliant, but it papered over the cracks. Mark Hughes came in the year before, kept them up, brilliant, but it papered over the cracks. Mm. Well, there's only so long you keep getting away with that. Um, and maybe, just maybe, the absolute brutality and the absolute complete and utter embarrassment and shame on Southampton Football Club of losing a game 9-0 in the Premier League at home might just be the catalyst for some of these things that that need to change actually changing total saints podcast total saints podcast sponsored by happyhottubs.co.uk Okay, it feels like the pod probably needs an element of humour injected into it. So just like Saints, TSP has had a few bad moments during 2019-20 and I've been collecting them all up for the right time. Having lost nine flipping nil, this is probably that time. So sit back and enjoy some of our favourite TSP clips that haven't made the podcast this season, courtesy of Adam, Steve, Lucy, Glenn and myself. On this week's podcast, we'll chat Liverpool after the 2-1 defeat for Saints at St Mary's. We'll also preview next weekend's visit to Brighton and Hove Albion. And sandwiched in the middle of that, we'll talk about the fabulous Maya Yoshida, briefly reflect on this week's fans forum, and a brilliant... Oh, here we go. We also preview next week... We'll also preview next weekend's visit to Brighton Hove Albion and sandwiched in the middle of that, we'll talk about the fabulous Maya Yoshida and a brilliant gesture he's offered the Saints Foundation this week. We'll also reflect on the fans forum and hear from a TSP patron. Before I crash into our... T- <clears throat> oh yeah, right. 
And I'll also crash into one of our TSP patrons, Jamie Pragnall, who was on holiday with his family in Devon. Apologies again, Miss Pragnall. Speaking of patrons, a big shout out to Magnus Palminger, who became a Klaus Lundit Van patron, patron via... <clears throat> Speaking of patrons, a big shout out to Marcus Palminger, who became a Klaus Lundit Van patron as well this week. That's... Oh my god, I don't want to do hosting anymore. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Thanks, as always, to Adam and Steve. As I say, Lucy will be back next week, which will be good as well. If you'd like to get in touch with any of us at any point, Total Saints Podcast at yahoo.com. The uh, mailbox is actively uh, um, monitored on a daily basis, so uh, feel free to send any opinions, feedback, comments, or questions through to us. You can also hear us. Uh, we partnered with a new podcast that's being run by uh, Watford fan Andy Lewis called Stairway to Seventh. It doesn't mention anything about the top six, so when I did my match report, I did not mention the L word once or any of their players, which was quite fun, actually. So you can hear us on Stairway to Seventh Podcast. Onwards to Brighton. Fingers crossed we can get something there. My prediction is totally wrong. Until then, have a good week, oh, everyone. Hang on a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang what? on a second. Hang what? on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Why did you on. just cut me off in the middle of my... Uh, F- FPL update. What about... Where am I? You're 90th, Adam. I thought you said I was 11th. Well, you were before it updated. Oh, we, we can, can talk this about happen. that, then. <laughs> 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 Onwards to Brighton, anyway. Let's hope that uh, Saints can pick up a... Uh... Oh, f- what have you done? Onwards to Brighton anyway. <laughs> Stop laughing. Right. Onwards to Brighton anyway. Fingers crossed. Well, it was one out. It was also one in, although this one was part of Ralph's management team. Austrian Richard Kitchbike. Oh, my God. I knew I wasn't going to be able to say that. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's one for the outtakes. Um, right. Austrian Richard Richard Kitzbichler. Kitz I've even put hyphens in there just to try and say it. Right. <laughs> Compose yourself. Sorry, the, right. the bitch. <laughs> right. <laughs> Austrian Richard Kitzbichler <laughs> joined Saints at the end of the week, becoming first-team assistant coach to Ralph and also, as we're being told, opposition analyst. Before we uh, crack on with the Fulham and Manchester United preview then, I thought it'd be good to have a, a very early days uh, FPL TSP uh, update. Um, as I say, this is ahead of the uh, Sunday, the 25th of August games. Um, so let's just uh, rattling through the uh, the top three. I uh, checked it and updated overnight. So in first place at the moment, we've got Simon Ford with 40s Flyers, 170. Second is Zena Jeffrey with Zena's Warriors, 161. And uh, in third, although I'd say joint second, is Sam Smith. Uh, not that one. Falklands Vets, 161. Um, looking a bit further down the list. I don't think that's updated your list. Oh, I've got, I'm looking at it now and it's different. I did the Sorry. Same. Oh, hold on a minute. Does that mean you're higher than 29th then? Yeah, it does. I'm 16th. Yes. Right, hold on a minute. This is the trouble with doing live broadcasts. Oh my god, I'm 233rd now. I was 115th when I did this last night. I might stick with this. Yeah, do it. You want to do a hard reset on your browser to yeah. clear the cache. Well, to be fair, I did it from my uh, on the app because you told me to. But uh, oh, there we go. Oh, that's totally screwed me then. Okay, we're not doing an FPL update. <laughs> <laughs> right, we'll do that next week. Just uh, sort of finally then, Lucy, you know, I think we're probably all agreed a good end to a, a good week for Saints. Four points from four games, but when you think we've played two of the big six during that time. So I think heading into the international break, whilst Adam, I totally agree with, you know, Saints haven't really got into the flow of the way they want to play yet. I think we sort of feel that Saints are in an OK position. Yeah, I think so. And I think it will be a massive confidence boost having hung on 
uncharacteristically hung on based on last season um that they can go somewhere that's difficult i mean admittedly that was should we just start again because that was not going okay, anywhere yeah yeah that's fine <laughs> <laughs> It's a company car, so if it gets smashed up in the light of duty, well, it's not my fault. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, actually, I'm going to say something a little bit controversial here. Oh, right. Okay, so I actually don't have such a strong hatred of Portsmouth. Um, okay, go, leave. This is, Adam, Adam will not be on the podcast any no. further, so... Good. Look, that's fair enough. Everyone's different, so you can explain um, yourself. Explain yourself. Well, as, as a... And make it good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, as, a, um, as a place, I mean, I lived in Portsmouth for a few years, not Unlucky. too long ago. Oh, God, I wish I'd known uh, all this before no, we started the pod. No, I loved it. I've got, I've got a lot of good friends down there. I go down there fairly regularly Believe to I'm visit friends. This. I'm a member of the triathlon club there still. Um, a race of, uh, Pompey Supporters the, Club. I think we should probably thing. just move on. <laughs> and I covered Portsmouth for a year back in the day. Not long after I first started the Echo, we used to cover Portsmouth as well. And, they, and the news used to cover Saints. And I covered Portsmouth for a year, and it was an interesting year. I liked a lot of the people I met. Obviously, Saints is my alliance. In football, generally, I find that kind of real, where it goes from rivalry to hatred, I actually find very uncomfortable anyway and very difficult to deal with because I think that that's... You're not even making this, it sound like a rivalry, this, though. This, this just reeks of someone trying to protect themselves on the way down there. Just so, I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. I, I'm just... They're yeah. not um, listening. Right, okay, I'll give up. I'll give up. Okay. Yeah, all right. What's I, your, fav- what's your favourite Derby Bobby. moment? Oh, they're so terrible. Good. Oh. That's much more like that's it. That's better, yeah. Good. All right. you got to put more into it, though. Yeah, good. good. Yeah. What's your favourite um, Derby moment, Adam? Pompey scoring the, the the fourth goal in the four one win down at Fratton Park. Probably, probably. Oh dear, oh dear. No, I, to be honest with you, I I think I've blocked them all out. I've lo- I looked at the results after you te- you messaged about it, and I can't actually remember very much. I certainly can't remember Saints winning for a long time because what I do remember is the time that they won in the FA Cup was the only game that I missed in my eighteen years through sickness. Because I woke up in the middle of the night before the Derby game with a diarrhea and vomiting bug. And I was just... Too much detail? I, was, I, I was feel sh- like we really do need to move on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not sure, I'm not sure if this is like 10 minutes. Was, diarrhea. Was, that, was that the Peter Crouch last minute penalty? Yes, it was. Yeah. yeah. I'm just not and sure if this is like 10 minutes of outtakes. To and from the <laughs> yeah. yeah, just cut all this. <laughs> no, leave it in. No, no. Right, anyway, back to the diarrhea and vomiting, yes. No, no, I'm done. All right, cool, brilliant. Right, let's move on then. Uh, Lucy, what about you? What's your reaction to the uh, the cup game and your favourite derby moment? Well, I'm going to be controversial for this one. Oh, podcast. God, don't tell me you support Portsmouth as well. Why does it controversial with Adam? Because, you know, I like a derby. But then again, I don't have to go to Portsmouth. So... <laughs> I probably will take out that bit about Portsmouth, Adam. Yeah, so, uh, that's probably controversial. Yeah. So I'll just probably yeah, leave it as it's enough. a tough place to go. I'm not overly excited and then <laughs> move on if that's all right. So, uh... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, cool. Put a dramatic voiceover <laughs> in instead. Yeah. This piece was edited to protect Adam's uh, safety. <laughs> integrity. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll also be previewing the small matter of the true South Coast derby, El Clasicos, them versus us, whatever you want to call it, on Tuesday. That preview will include an opposition view as we catch up with lifelong Pompey fan Kev to have a mature chat about the hopes and expectations. That's got to be your house, Glenn. Yes, it was. (laughs) (laughs) I told you to shut the door! (laughs) 
Take that. Oh, yeah, I'll take that's. <laughs> brilliant, oh, brilliant. That's we we go in ten seconds. We got an outtake already. Excellent. Right, yeah, have it. Good. Right, where were we? <laughs> Hope you enjoyed those, and I'm sure there'll be some more before the end of the season. Right. Moving on to predictions then, we're not going to do a Man City preview because I think we could talk all night about what may or may not happen. Um, so let's get on to uh, having a chat about the scores. So this is for the Premier League game, Steve. I'm not even going to bother talking about the Cup game, but uh, what is your Man City prediction, Steve, for the uh, Premier League game next weekend? Uh, well, I'm kind of going to go along with the hope that they're going to rest a few ahead of Champions League games mm-hmm. um, next week. So I reckon we might get away with a 4-1 defeat. Okay, 4-1 defeat. I was going to say, by uh, as a few people mentioned, you were quite close with your 7-6 prediction. Uh, at one stage, it was 6-0 anyway, so uh, there we go yes. against uh, Leicester. But uh, all right, um, Adam, you went one all against Wolves. You went one all against <laughs> Leicester. <laughs> Obviously, you nailed go the Wolves on, prediction. Go on, do it again, do it again. Go on. <laughs> where are you going go with this one? I am going to stun you here <laughs> and uh, not go for one all this time, no. <laughs> uh, I am going to... I'm going to optimistically think it's not going to be too long a journey back from Saturday uh, with a just a mere 3-1 defeat. 3-1 defeat. All right, cool. Um, Lucy hasn't sent hers in, Glenn, despite me asking her earlier in the week. So I'll tell you what, why don't you put all this pressure on you, Glenn? Why don't you do Lucy's for her? Oh, controversial. Oh, yeah. that's, that's, that's not fair. Well, it's, it's either that or I go with the sort of standard FIFA online football game as in she just goes for a routine 3-0 home win. Okay, so is is Lucy normally optimistic or pessimistic? Mm, she's, well, she's both, so that's not really helping you. Yeah, she's a realist. I <laughs> okay, say. I I will go four nil. Four nil. All right, cool. Okay. Yeah. Great. Let's hope that that's right. Otherwise, she'll kill you and me. So good. Okay, right. I'm uh, obviously I'm, <laughs> I'm looking go... forward to your one. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, I'm going to go for something that ends in zero. Um, Oh, I mean, it can't be any worse than Friday night from a Saints point of view. You got to think that they're going to put some heart in, but City are good, so. Uh, I'm gonna go for. I'm gonna go six nil. Oh man, six nil! No way. <laughs> yeah, funny. If I could just mention the the cup game for a minute, you know, Manchester City have got no defenders at the moment in the Premier League. <laughs> we've got no attackers. So, so you know, in the last round they played two seventeen-year-olds, I think, as their two central defenders. So oh. I think the the cup game might actually be quite close. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe that's wildly optimistic, but. I fully anticipate that we will lose, but I feel it might be a little bit closer. One goal, perhaps. If you've made it this far, then thank you. Your commitment is truly appreciated. It's been a tough weekend for all Saints fans, and this week might get even worse. But we'll all still love them, right? Now, thanks to Adam, Steve and Glenn for all of their thoughts and uh, everything tonight. To all of you who sent comments and views in as well, very much appreciated. Until next time, as Adam Leach's favourite 90s pop band, D. Ream, would say, even if he wouldn't, things surely can only get better. Keep marching in.
days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.